we've put together a brand new sample of RAR Premium. So if you've been on the fence about joining us inside RAR Premium, you can get a free sample now to see if it's a good fit for your family. To get that free sample, go to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or just text the word RAR sample like it's all squished together in one word. (laughs) RAR sample to the number 33777. Okay, here's the show. I'm so sorry you can't see me, Sarah. I made a massive effort with my face, which is 74 <laughs> years old, so you could imagine the work I did this morning. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought here. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie, homeschooling mama of six and author of The Read Aloud Family and Teaching from Rest. As parents, we're overwhelmed with a lot to do. It feels like every child needs something different. The good news is you are the best person to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. This podcast has been downloaded 7 million times in over 160 countries. So if you want to nurture warm relationships while also raising kids who love to read, you're in good company. We'll help your kids fall in love with books and we'll help you fall in love with homeschooling. Let's get started. Hello, Sarah McKenzie here. So glad you're with me today. This is episode 162. And as you might be able to tell from the preview at the very top of the episode, we're having some fun today. Look, the world has been full of a lot of challenging things that make us feel sad or worried. The pandemic alone has been a source, I think, of a lot of constant stories that are not exactly uplifting. So today I'm going to start this episode with something to inspire you. I read this on the RAR Premium Forum, and it really added joy to my day because it helped me see that even though 2020 has been full of the unexpected, (laughs) to say the least, for all of us, there is a lot of wonderful that's also happening. So here is what I read. Heather Clintworth, one of our RAR Premium members, she wrote this on the forum. When COVID happened and when the schools shut down, our family life improved 100%. Everyone around me was bemoaning being stuck at home with their kids all day, and I realized that I kind of loved it. I definitely didn't love the cause, but my son was suddenly curious again. We started adding read-alouds back into our life, and I discovered read-aloud revival when it was recommended to me by some friends who homeschooled their kids when I started asking questions about making homeschooling permanent in our household. His love of learning returned, and the past couple of weeks, he's actually reading for fun, for the first time in his life. We've spent the whole of this quarantine period really reinforcing a culture of reading in our home, along with lots of time spent in nature and just playing, and it has been beautiful. We've decided to homeschool for sure this year, and assuming nothing goes catastrophically wrong with my first attempts at it, my plan is to continue for as long as it suits our family. Okay, so I don't know about you, but when I read that, 
I that made me so happy to think that these less than ideal circumstances, which we've all found ourselves to be thrust into, could be the catalyst for something this beautiful and enriching and joyful, and that this boy has found his love of reading and books, and her whole family has found this beautiful new way of learning together, which so many of us who have been homeschooling for years have been you know, blessed and lucky enough to be enjoying for all these years and that so many others are getting to to feel some of the beauty of that is really, really wonderful. I know it's not all peachy roses everywhere, but I thought that might inspire you like it inspired me. I hope just listening to Heather's story about what's happened in her home over these last months will inspire you to really just enjoy the books and nature and play and conversations and all the beautiful things that erupt in our family when we give ourselves space to breathe and we just read good books together. There's so many wonderful things that come from that. So thank you, thank you, Heather, for posting that in the forum. It lit up my whole week and I was so excited I wanted to share it on the podcast. Thank you also for telling me that I could share it on the podcast. I appreciate that. I have a feeling it will inspire so many of our listeners. Okay, today we have a fabulous question from Emily Erickson. Hi, Sarah. My name's Emily. I've listened to every single episode of your podcast. Even as a public schooling mom, our bookshelves are full of your recommendations and my head is full of your encouragement. So thank you for all you do and for mentoring so many of us from afar. It's made all the difference for our family. Here's my question. We're brand new to homeschooling and planning on using a lot of books in our learning. I'm both so excited about this And also a bit nervous because we have seven kids, including three sets of twins. So we have an eight-year-old, two six-year-olds, two three-year-olds, and two nine-month-olds. Wait, hang on. We have seven kids, including three sets of twins. So we have an eight-year-old, two six-year-olds, two three-year-olds, and two nine-month-olds. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought you said. (laughs) I was just checking. As a huge lover of stories myself, I always feel so excited to start our read-aloud time And even though I set my kids up with a snack or activity and make sure that the babies are either occupied or napping, I find that we still struggle to get through even a single page without multiple interruptions. Some interruptions are useful, like questions or comments or connections, but of course, many aren't. I definitely don't expect perfection out of these times, but I still come away feeling discouraged. And my big three kids are usually a bit disappointed and frustrated with the younger four. Do you have any ideas or encouragement for us? Maybe how I can handle the interruptions more effectively or encouragement that these chaotic reading times still matter because sometimes it feels like they don't, or maybe even just a glimmer of hope that it will get better. I would so greatly appreciate any thoughts you could send my way. Well, Emily, you should have seen my husband's face, (laughs) not to mention my own, when you said you have three sets of twins. (laughs) You probably know that I have, we have one set of twins, and I think they're pretty hard, actually. (laughs) So I'm trying to imagine tripling that. Okay, so first of all, I just think you're amazing, and the fact that you are homeschooling this year and reading, committed to reading aloud with your kids is so wonderful, and it inspires me so very much. Uh, One thing I think to keep in mind is that you're going to want to set a reasonable expectation of how much you can actually read aloud. Uh, So I'm not sure if you're using a literature-based curriculum, or maybe you're just reading aloud books that you're creating, you know, your own lists or compiling yourself. But the biggest mistake I see most new homeschoolers make is that they're trying to do too much. And this includes your reading aloud, trying to read aloud too many things, thinking that you need to do so many read alouds. Um, So, you know, 
it could help maybe just to say, okay, we're going to start with one read aloud session for, you know, 15 minutes or something. And you just do that once a day until that feels like it maybe feels kind of manageable. And then you might add a few extra minutes onto that session or maybe a second session later in the day or something. Um, But kind of setting your expectations lower. (laughs) I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word lower because the only person's expectations who we have to lower are ours, right? Like God has expectations for us that are not impossible. And so I feel like whenever, I I love this quote by Erin Lochner from her book, Chasing Slow, where she tells us that we don't need to lower our expectations. We need to live up to the expectations we were created for. And I think that could be a helpful reminder to you that God has given you all these beautiful babies and his expectation for how much you can read aloud to them is probably lower than yours <laughs> for how much you think you can read aloud to them on your own. Um, and so anyway, any reading aloud that you're doing is beautiful and wonderful. Now, I also want you to know, the year I had my twins, I also had a one-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And that school year, almost all my eight, 10, and 12-year-old did is a little math, most days, not even every day, and some audiobooks. I couldn't even read aloud that often, so I just resorted to audiobooks. And that 12-year-old, who I'm sure everyone in my life thought I was ruining by homeschooling her on a year <laughs> that I was drowning uh, just to try and keep up with everything. And I, honestly, I sort of wondered the same thing, right? Well, this year, right now, she's going off to college well-equipped for her future. So I think what I'm trying to say is, I'm taking the longest way possible to say it, one year or two years or a season or a couple seasons that's lighter on academics or lighter on the number of read-alouds you can get to, it's not going to hurt anything. You are creating such a beautiful experience for your kids to be together, to see that mom's here and she wants to teach us and she wants to learn with us and she wants to read with us, even if it doesn't look perfect. And even if you can't get to as much as you wanted, I feel I that's a, a tremendous gift you're giving them. And you're sending them a solid message about what's important. Them each other, and books. And that is going to make a huge impact, probably bigger than you realize. And then just a little extra encouragement that audiobooks count. And so if you, you know, your your eight-year-old and your six-year-old are getting frustrated by the interruptions coming from the threes and the nine-month-olds, um, turning an audiobook on for the older ones in a different room and having them listen to it, even if you're not able to listen with them, 100% wonderful. So finding some good audiobooks and saying, okay, now you guys are going to color or do Play-Doh or sketch while you listen to this audiobook and mom's going to come over. I'm going to be over in this room over here with all of the little ones. And so you come tell me, you know, after 30 minutes or you set a timer or something and they can listen without the little ones in the room, that might be really relaxing for them. They might be able to enjoy the story more. You'd probably get more quote unquote reading aloud in because they'd get all that reading aloud. doesn't matter if you're not the one reading it aloud. So they'd get all those stories in and maybe feel less frustrated because they're not being interrupted by the little ones, which I know is a constant frustration for kids who have a lot of younger siblings because that is the state of my house and, ha- and has been for a long time. <laughs> and so I totally understand that. I hope that helps a little bit. I am wishing you all the best this year, Emily. Call me back anytime and tell me how things are going because I would love to hear from you again. 
Listeners, if you have a question you'd like me to tackle on the podcast, you can leave me a voicemail, just like Emily did. Go to readaloudrevival.com, scroll down just a touch, and you'll see some buttons where your kids can either leave their book recommendations for our segment of Let the Kids Speak toward the end of the show, or where you can leave me a question that I might answer on the podcast. So feel free to do that. I love to hear your questions. Okay, so who was the owner of that delightful Australian voice that you heard at the top of the show? Well, that was Mem Fox, Australia's best-selling writer. Yes, like the entire continent's best-selling writer. She's written over 40 books for children and several nonfiction books for adults. She's a retired associate professor of literacy studies from Flinders University, and she's received a passel of honors, awards, and three honorary doctorates. This lady is no joke. She's amazing, and she is a complete delight. We are talking today about her book, Reading Magic, why reading aloud to our children will change their lives forever. Well, Mem, I am delighted to have you here with me. Thank you so much for coming to the Read Aloud Revival. Sarah, it's lovely to be with you. I think we started planning this about a year ago. It's only taken 12 months and COVID-19 and, and everything else, you know, for us to get together. And this is fantastic. We made it. <laughs> we made it. We finally made it happen. <laughs> well, your book, Reading Magic, Why Reading Aloud to Our Children Will Change Their Lives Forever, I think is especially poignant for right now in the world. I mean, this book, it was written, when did you first write this book? Actually, I think it was in the early 2000s, about 2001, something like that, 2002. Yes, a long time ago. Yes, because I know I've got two different versions, an updated and revised version and your first version, but it feels really poignant to me right now. And I think that's because so many kids around the world are spending their foreseeable future at home a lot more than normal, out of the classroom a lot more than they're used to. And what I love about reading magic is that this magic you you talk about really begins in the lap of a parent, you know, in a story read aloud. And I think this might be a time when a lot of parents are feeling you know, ill-equipped on some level to help our kids academically succeed in this challenging crisis time, you know, gain reading skill and love reading. So I think this is good news that so much reading success can be found through reading aloud. Actually, I was, I was reading through the book again for the, I don't know how many times. <laughs> and at the end of chapter 15, this is what you wrote. Whatever happens in the world of school, continuing to read aloud to our children at home should solve most reading problems and will always be a lifeline to their happiness, their literacy, and their future. And I tell you what, that sounds like extraordinarily good news to me. Well, I'm surprised I wrote that because I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Even better. (laughs) I love that. That is absolutely true. And the best thing of all about COVID-19, if we can look at some positive out of this ghastly time, is that children who are being forced to learn to read in a way that is boring, tedious, plodding, 
and unrewarding are actually almost being saved from that by being taken out of school at a crucial moment in their lives and being locked up at home with parents who love them, who don't know how to teach reading, but do know how to read to their children. And it brings the parent and the child together in a beautiful situation in the middle of a horrific situation worldwide. But the kid and the parent are just loving each other. They're both enjoying words. They're both enjoying the story and the, the thrill of the story, the, the plot of the story, the characters in the story. They're immersed in the most beautifully written language and they're learning so much. Sarah, I know this is so revolutionary. They're learning so much more in that situation than they will have, would have been learning had they been sitting in a little desk at a very young age, bored out of their brains, trying to work out which sound says what and why and how they connect. I mean, it is, it's magical. It's, it's a super moment for kids. They don't know how lucky they are. They have no idea what they have escaped from by being taken out of school at this particular point in their young lives. I'm talking about uh, four to seven-year-olds. They are lucky to be away from school, frankly. One of the, one of the wonderful things about reading aloud, um, we always focus on what it does for the child, but what it does for the grown-up who's reading to the child is it takes, um, it bursts the bubble of tension that has been there during the day or is there at that moment because of some, something that's happened in the house or in the world. It bursts that bubble of tension and the parent, that, that big balloon of tension just flattens and comes down and the child and the parent are for a moment at total peace in spite of everything, at total peace. It is right. a divine, divine moment. It's just gorgeous. Well, I love how you talk about, in the book, you talk about how as parents, we don't need to be reading teachers to help our kids learn to read. Oh. And you say, you say this, uh, it's precisely the laid back, hang loose, let's have fun, relaxed and comfortable role that is so powerful in helping children first to love reading and then to be able to read themselves. Exactly. My dad, my dad was a, a very fine educator whom I, you know, I, I adored my dad, but I also uh, admired tremendously the way he taught and, the, you know, the, the philosophy that he had about learning. And one of his little sayings that he used to remind us of was, a laughing child likes learning. One reason why a laughing, a laughing child likes learning is because you can't be tense and laugh at the same time. If you're tense, you can't learn. If you're laughing, you can't be tense. So if you're laughing, you are much more able to learn. And there's so much laughter and sweetness and relaxation and fun and humor and gorgeousness around reading aloud that children pick up an enormous amount. They, they hear the words at the same time as they're looking at the words. They're picking up the, the combinations of letters that make different sounds, but the, it's not being picked apart in a boring fashion. It's just happening. I'm not saying that every child learns to read by just being read to. I would never, ever, ever say that. But what we as parents and grandparents and carers are doing for the children is making them open 
to the things that teachers will later try to teach them. The best thing that my grandson has had happen to him in maths, mm -hmm. which is not his strongest point, obviously he comes from a very language-rich family, so that's fine, but the maths is, mm -hmm. is not good. And um, prior to this, he's about 10 at the moment, prior to this, it has been a terrible struggle because of the tension associated with it. The absolute best thing that his divine teacher has done for him this year is to remove the tension, make him relax, just, you know, go with the flow, enjoy, see what you can do, you know, don't get uptight. Um, and, and the learning is happening because of that, because the tension has gone. And they, we, we, we associate learning to read with so much tension, I don't understand why. I've got no idea why we associate it with so much tension. Why do we make it so difficult? We put hurdles in children's way all the time in the teaching of reading. I'm absolutely thrilled that parents don't know how to teach reading. It's the best thing <laughs> about parents. It is the absolute best thing that they do not know how to teach their children to read. I mean, they can point out little things like the ends of words rhyming and so on and so forth. I mean, you can say, you know, can you hear that the same, it's the same sound at the end. Listen to this. It's time for bed, little mouse, little mouse. Darkness is falling all over the house. It's the same. But that's pointing out, that might be pointing out something, but it's still beautiful and it's a game. It's not a, a tense, horrid thing. I was just thinking this morning in the shower. I'm so sorry you can't see me, Sarah. I made a massive effort with my face, which is 74 <laughs> years old. So you could imagine the work I did this morning. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought here. But yes, I was thinking in the shower this morning about this interview and, and the role of accents in, in um, phonics. You know, people who teach phonics think that there is one sound for every letter or every combination of letters. Right. And, and I was thinking about the fact of my being an author. And you look at the AU um, sound at the beginning, you know, the two letters AU at the beginning of the word author. Now, in Australia and in, in English, English and Australian English, New Zealand English, um, we say author as, it, as, if, as if it were O-R, okay? Now, in the southern, in the southern states, um, it's still spelled A-U-T-H-O-R. That is the spelling. But the pronunciation of author in the southern states is Arthur. Arthur. Yes. And which is right? Which is the A-U sound? Is it Arthur? Is it author? And then you look at those two letters in laugh, the word laugh, L-A-U-G-H. Now, it's not laugh. Even though we say author, A-U, it's not laugh. We either say laugh. In English, English, we say laugh. In Australian English, we say laugh. And in American English, people usually say laugh. And the sound changes all the time. Phonics is not a fixed thing. The difference between phonics and the other way of teaching reading is that one is a way of making sense of what's on the page and the other one is making sounds of what's on the page. Sounds don't necessarily make sense. We are after making sense. And that's why it's best to start with stories, because stories make sense. A lot of voices might tell you that you need to learn how to get better at homeschooling. But I know something about you. 
You don't actually need to homeschool better. You need to homeschool happier, to have more fun, to smile more, laugh more. You want a twinkle in your eye. (laughs) And you want your kids to know deep in their bones that you love homeschooling them. That twinkle is worth pursuing too, because the key to a successful homeschool is a peaceful, happy mother. And that's what we're committed to helping you become at RAR Premium. RAR Premium is a unique program that offers mentoring for you, the homeschool mom, and we offer Open and Go Family Book Club. This is a family book club you can use with all ages from 4 to 17, and it will explore language arts, reading, and we often dip into writing, science, history, all across the curriculum as we uncover so many good and meaningful ideas. The best news is we do all the prep work for you. If you'd like to get a free sample of RAR Premium so you can see if it's a good fit for your family, head to readaloudrevival.com slash sample, or you can just text RAR sample, one word, to the number 33777, and we'll send it your way. Now, back to the show. fascinating. In your book, you say only 50% of English words are spelled phonetically and billions of people in China, Japan, Korea, and Taiwan learn to read when phonics are not possible in their written language. So I think that's just sort of reiterates what you were just saying about, you know, phonics is a piece of the puzzle, but it's not actually the beautiful puzzle. No, no, it's not. (laughs) It's one third of the puzzle. And it's important, you know, if you can't work out, I mean, there's, you know, we have lots of, um, names that are peculiar to people who aren't Australian because they come from our Aboriginal people. And there's a very famous and excellent um, uh, university in another state from mine called Wollongong University. Now, you know, if, if you've never read the word Wollongong and it sounds like a crazy place, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you just think, how could a university be called Wollongong? It, it has no dignity. But of course it does, because we all know that it's an excellent university. So, um, but if you are coming to Wollongong for the first time, phonics is useful. You know, it's very useful. You're sort of going, Wollongong, Wollongong. You know, that's, it's useful. But it doesn't solve every problem. That's because, because unfortunately our spelling system is so terrible. I'm reading Peter Pan at the moment to my grandson, who, oh. who could read anything much more difficult than that. His language is astounding. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I mean, it surprises <laughs> us even, you know, as a family, we often look at each other and sort of try not to catch each other's eye because of the way he speaks and the language that he brings, um, you yes. know, to his explanations. It is just divine. It's so, so gorgeous. But um, I have noticed that when... Um, the, one of the reasons why he wants me to read Peter Pan is not because he's never read it, which he could do by himself, but it is actually the bonding between him and me. And we don't, yes. you know, we're not often together at night. He doesn't live very far away, but we're not often together at bedtime. Obviously, he's 10 years old. But when mm-hmm. he's here or when I'm there and we say, oh, let's do Pete, let's have some more Peter Pan. 
neither of us can can stop it. You know, we, we say, oh, let's have a bit more. Oh, let's just read a bit more. Let's just read a bit more. But one of the things that's happening, of course, that I'm noticing as the author of Reading Magic is that the more I read Peter Pan to him, obviously, the more vocabulary he's he's getting. You know, he'll he'll stop me and say, what's what's a blah, blah? You know, for example, a schooner. He said the other day, we were reading another book, not Peter Pan. What's a schooner? It, it was um, The Mysteries of Harrisburg Dick was the book. Um, you know that book? Oh, it's fantastic. I do. It's brilliant. Just pictures, you know, with the first line of a story. Marvellous. So and he said, what's a yes. schooner? And I said, it's, um, it's a large ship. And he pronounced it incorrectly as well. So, you know, just by, by reading to him, he's getting more language. Yeah. So the more I read, the more language he gets, the easier it is for him to read and to understand anything that comes in front of his eyes. Um, that, you know, it's just, it's a cumulative thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a snowball rolling down a, a snowy hill. It's just more and more snow attaching, 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 attaching. So it's a big ball down at the bottom of the mountain. Um, and that's the child's understanding of how to read. Yes. I love your analogy, uh, that reading is like driving a car. You know, most adults can drive a car, but we can't take one apart and put it back together. Going back to this AU author thing, you know, and the AU in laugh and all the different pronunciations of those, um, uh, there is a word for that. When you have two letters combined to make a sound, there's a word. For it, all right. Um, I, and I don't know. It's a it's a graph something or is something graph um, a grapheme? I've got no idea. Now, why do children need to know what a phoneme or a grapheme is? Why do they need to define that when an author of my standing and of my lifelong, you know, contributing? to, you know, a high level of children's literature around the world does not know what that is. I do not know what that is because I do not need to know what it is. I do not need to know how my engine works, but my goodness, can I drive a car? And I do not like people to pass me unnecessarily. So, you know, I'm not quite the (laughs) best driver in the world because I'm a little bit too aggressive. I like to be in the front. I know how to drive a car. I know how to make it go really well. I know how to make it go fast and slow. I know how to brake it. I have no idea what is going on under that front bit of the car, which we call a bonnet. What you call something else. What do you call that front bit? We call it the hood. Hood, yeah, underneath the hood. Um, yes. you know, I, Although a bonnet is a much better word for it. <laughs> cute. It's, it's pretty cute, isn't it? It is, yes. Whether it's the hood or the bonnet, neither you nor I can understand what's going under there. But we would be we'd be in a bad way if we couldn't drive, you know. But, but we can drive, and we'd be in a bad way if we couldn't read. But we wouldn't be in a bad way if we couldn't define all those tiny little bits of language that make up English. Yes, you know that wouldn't matter. Yes, and yet we focus on that. Many teachers focus on that. Many programs in phonics focus on that sort of thing. Oh, it's just it just kills a love of language. It kills a love of reading and writing and listening. Oh, my goodness. I could go on and on and on. I could go on and on and on. 
think about what we really want to do when we're raising readers is raise kids who become adults who keep reading and who actually do the bulk of the reading in their life after they're adults, since their adult life is the longest section of their life, exactly. right? Yes, exactly. And so then when we think about how do we read as adults, and uh, and yet we have this whole different measuring stick or this uh, different idea of what a child's reading life, they should like a certain kind of book, they should be reading a certain kind of book. It's nonsense, isn't it? I, I look at my own grandson absorbed in, he's crazy about birds, and he has, you know, dozens of adult books about bird watching and we're not even bird watchers it, it he was introduced to it by a friend of ours and i'm thinking my god you know i think i think this kid has been reading this book about puffins in scotland you know for 40 minutes and it's not something that i would ever read and you know what who am i to say whether that is a good or a bad book so that just reminded me of a funny story my, one of my kids uh when she was about Four, I think she might have been five. She found one of my birding field guides that were laying around and she was looking at it and pouring over the pictures and flipping through it. And then she closed it, went off to do something else and came back and she said, Oh, mama, can you help me find the bird I was looking at? And I said, Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I said, Well, sure. Can you, can you tell me what it looked like? And she said, Yes, it had feathers and a beak. Oh, that's marvelous. <laughs> That's my, I, I can picture. The, I, I I reckon I can picture the book. Is it Sibley's book of birds? It is Sibley's book. There of birds. you go. There you go. It was my American editor who introduced Theo, my <laughs> grandson, to birds, and you know he said Sibley's book of birds. <laughs> Right, that enthusiasm from all corners has to bubble around a book. And I mean, I think as we're all listening to you, we're thinking, of course, I mean, enthusiasm bubbles from you. I can feel it. <laughs> and I can, that's how I feel when I love a book as an adult reader is yes. um, enthusiasm bubbles from every corner. Uh, so I want to talk book, some of your, I just want to talk book suggestions if you're up to it. I'm curious sure. to know what some of your favorites are to read aloud with your grandkids or were your favorite to read aloud with your kids or anytime you can grab a small human and read to them. I mean, really, you know, famous books like Goodnight, Con Goodnight Construction Site. I mean, every every household with a boy in it needs needs Goodnight, Goodnight Construction Site. The divine, hilarious, gorgeous, it's just wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. There's another one which we adored called Whatever. Um, it's by William B. B E E. Um, I'm just, okay. I'm just looking at the publisher. I'm just wondering whether it's an English book. I know it's not Australian. Sometimes, um, oh yes, it's English. It is hilarious. It's very, very simple. It's got very few words on the page. And it is. It's as funny as a fit. Um, and it's about a kid who, who refuses to be impressed, just refuses, you know. So whenever he's told something fantastic, he says, whatever, 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 whatever. And I think at the end, I do think that he gets eaten up by a lion at the zoo because he just says whatever, um, which is quite funny. Oh, I know how it ends. I have to tell you how it ends because I've got, oh, yes, do. I've got to sell you this book in inverted <laughs> Um But... <laughs> 
<laughs> he goes to the zoo and he's with his dad and he's inside the tiger, right? The tiger's eaten him. And okay. Goes, dad, I am still in here, you know. And the father says, whatever. The end of the book. Oh, it's so <laughs> funny. A very few words on the page and in big print. You know, it looks, it could be a reader. Yes. But it's brilliant. It could, yes. it could be a reader. It's absolutely marvellous. Um, the Diary of a Wombat, uh, which is an Australian oh, book. Oh, yes. You know that? Yes. Yeah, I that do know is that one. Very, very few words on the page, but totally funny um, about this wombat. Oh, I've just got one more here that I need to. Oh, gosh, I love this book. Um, this is a new Australian book, and it's called I See, I See. And it can be read upside down and back to front, right? The, the artist is extraordinary. Um, and but the what the the wonderful thing about it is that it's it's it almost forces an interaction between the parent and the child because the parent can see one thing and the child can see the other. Um, uh, but it's totally different, you know, the sort of upside downness of it. And so the the toing and froing between the parent and the child is just gorgeous um the author is r r as you would say um henderson <laughs> henderson okay well we're about out of time there's just two little things i want to mention one is just that i love this so much in your book you tell a story about a mom who was worried because her daughter could read but she wasn't reading and this is what you wrote the mother's anxiety about her daughter's reading level was very real she thought she had a big problem on her hands but when the child was given these essentials, encouragement, time, books, magazines, light, silence, warmth in winter and coolness in summer, and the comfort of being allowed to read in bed every night, the problem was solved. And right now, especially with everything happening in the world, this is a gift that we can all give our children is is coolness in summer and warmth in winter and light and time and lots of things to read and to read together. Sarah, you left out the most important one, silence. The noise of the television. You know, it needs to be off for people to be able to sink into the other world that they need to sink into, which is the world that the author has created for them. And imagine the peace of that, the peace of mind for the child, and also, for heaven's sakes, the peace of mind for the poor, stressed, worried, anxious parents in the house. That moment of silence when everybody has the television off, they may be doing other things other than reading, but the television is off. The sound has gone. The world is more peaceful. It just feels right. Well, before we go, I would be remiss not to bring up someone we both loved very much who passed away rather suddenly earlier this year. I'm talking listeners, of course, about the inimitable Tommy DePaola, a very good friend of both mine and yours for much longer than mine, Mem. I would love to hear a favorite memory you have of Tommy, who was, he was such a beacon of light and joy. And I remember when I asked him, I was at his house and I said, you know who I need to have on the podcast? I need to talk to Mem Fox. And he about leapt out of his chair with, of course, you haven't talked to Mem Fox yet? <laughs> <laughs> like, where the 
are you doing sitting here talking to me? <laughs> I was, um, I, I remember his 60th birthday party, which was, as you can, he was so theatrical, Tommy, you know, and he was so over the top and he was sort of sitting on top of a grand piano singing, you know, um, you know, to all of us. I mean, it was just and the way he was sitting. It was hilarious anyway, but he was just gorgeous. And I kept seeing him at, you know, conventions and events and we would see each other again and again. And then at one event, um, he was he was the speaker and I decided that I would sit in the front row because I, you know, I adored him and I loved hearing him speak. He was so lively and so, um, so, so clever. Uh, talking about his illustrations, let alone his writing. Such a clever explainer of his work. Um, so entertaining. Anyway, I thought, right, I'm going to get there early and I'm going to sit in the front row. Well, he made me the butt of his jokes for an hour. <laughs> and I laughed so hard at one point, I slid off the chair. You know, you, the, those flip chairs, you know, they flip up and they flip yes, down. Yes, yes. And I, I, somehow I was sliding further and further down, holding my sides, and then I slipped completely off the chair. He made me laugh so much. That was Tommy for me. Just a big bundle of joy. He was just a bundle of joy. Absolutely. Oh, I can picture it even. And I'm sure he had the time of his life. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. <laughs> oh. Well, Mem Fox, this has been glorious. Thank you so much for sharing this time. I hope uh, we get to connect again sometime in the future. Thank you so very much for coming on the show. It's been a, it's been a great pleasure. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. I love this part of the podcast because kids share the books that they've been loving lately. From Hudson, Ohio. Oh, and my favorite book is Barcode Children and Narnia because I like Barcode Children because it's so eventful and I like Narnia because it's so magical. What's your name? Joshua. And how old are you, Joshua? Five. And what's your favorite book? Cog and Truck That Go. Yeah, Richard Scary's Cars and Trucks and Things That Go. And who do you like looking for on those Gold pages? Goldbug. Very good. And some pages don't have Goldbug. Yeah, on it. we like looking for Goldbug. Hi, my name is Sam. I am eight. I am from Hudson, Ohio. My favorite book is Green Ember and Harry Potter. Harry Potter because it's so magical, and Green Ember because I like rabbits. My name is Millie, and I'm seven years old, and I live in Full City, Nebraska. And one of my favorite books is Vanderbeeker to the Rescue, because Oliver wants a treehouse sleepover. Hi, my name is Sylvia. I live in, I'm five years old. I live in Chicago, and I like Battle for the because I like how the Roger Roger, um, how the battles would say Roger Roger. Hi, my name's Evan, and I'm five years old, and I live in Rapid City, South Dakota. My favorite book is um, Little House in the Prairie picture book. My favorite part is um, when they get together as a family and with their old bulldog, Jack. Hi, my name's Winnie. I'm, I'm three years old, and my 
favorite book is Otis because he's helps his family. You see, helps his 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 friends that are animals, and the animals help him. My name is Will, and I'm five years old, and I'm from Ohio. My favorite book is The Silver Serpent's Cup, and it's by Jonathan Emmett, Jonathan Emmett, and Ed Eaves. Ed Eaves, and um, my favorite part is when um, Max Morning wins, and Alec Nassi is um, not excited. Hi, my name is Charlie, and I am eight years old, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I like Ben Beacles and Owl's Diary. Hi, Mrs. McKenzie. I am Everly, and I am 10 years old. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and my favorite book is Amulet because I think it is very um, adventurous. Hi, my name is Hayden. And I'm eight years old, um, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and my favorite books are Van Beekles and Anne Gables. And why I like it is because they're both funny. What's your name? Alex Christopher Brown. And how old are you? Five. And where do you live? In Coyleville. What state is that? Do you know? Tennessee. That's right. What is your favorite book? Henry Huggins. And what is your favorite story in the Henry Huggins books? Um, when he throws the football into the car. <laughs> that Henry Huggins, I tell you. We really like the Henry Huggins audio series that is on Audible. Uh, there's several Henry Huggins stories there, and that's really fun. There's also a Ramona Quimby collection there that's great, too. So we'll put links to both of those in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I had such a great time having a conversation with Mem Fox. In two weeks, I'll be back, this time with Alan Jacobs, who you may recognize as the author of The Pleasures of Reading in an Age of Distraction. He's also one of my very, very favorite people to talk with because he wakes my brain up and helps me think. We did a great episode with him last January, and I cannot wait to talk with him again about his new upcoming book, which I've gotten a sneak read of. (laughs) But more on that in two weeks. For now, you know what to do, right? Go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Are you still here? Okay, well, I am too. And I wanted to check to see if you've had a chance to download the samples from RAR Premium yet. RAR Premium is committed to helping you become the peaceful, happy mom you're called to be so that your kids know deep in their bones that you just love homeschooling them and also so that they can become lifelong voracious readers. Get a free sample of RAR Premium by going to readaloudrevival.com sample or by texting the word RAR sample like it's one word, all squished together, (laughs) to the number 33777.